Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss AMD's Radeon 6000 series, and we're also going to cover all of the Zen 3 CPU lineup, a complete episode dedicated to the awesomeness that is AMD and all of Lisa Sue's jaw-dropping moments that will have you needing a bib to catch all of the drool from this tech. We have a lot to cover and not nearly enough time, so let's get into it. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what have you been doing? I have recently moved, so I have basically taken apart every bit of hardware I have and am putting it all back together for the past few days, and it's wonderful. So well, do you feel like since hardware addicts that when you're putting all of your stuff back together, you were more confident? You're like, I got this. Actually, yes. And it took me a lot less time than I, and it normally would have. So, yes. I See, still, that's something. Yeah. All those true. parts to plug in, all those cords to go somewhere. When there's an issue, you're over there troubleshooting your hardware. You even had a problem getting your monitors to kind of function right when you first got in. Did you get that resolved? Yeah, everything's good now. It's just, it was, I don't even, like, it was just a weird thing of trying to do stuff so quickly. It just kind of, like, I would, you know, configure it differently than I had it previously. So, I had to just kind of set it all back up to be what I wanted to do it and do it quickly to get the microphone and everything set up to do recordings and all that. So, it actually was pretty easy once, you know, it's... I, I kind of did it as, as simple, streamlined as possible, which also made it easier and I kind of got some like, you know, tips and tricks with being a part of the show to make sure that I had stuff ready to go. A couple times, I will admit, I did find a cord in one of the boxes and go, what was this again? And then <laughs> it dawned on me after about like 20 seconds, like, oh, okay, right, right, it's this, this, this. Well, I have so many cords. There's a lot of times I find a random cord and go, what is this? But I know better to throw them away because the second I do, <laughs> I will need it. So, Wendy, we have trained that old dog, Michael, some new tricks. He's learning about hardware. Yeah. What have you been up to this week? Well, we are now in another period of my life where everything is dying around me, all of the electronics. It's Magneto's fault. It's Magneto's (laughs) fault. And I think our youngest daughter has some of the the same issues. So, in the vehicle I drive. Magneta. There's Magneta, Yeah. (laughs) There's a little control panel on the bottom, kind of where the kid's feet go. And I was accusing my daughter of kicking the control panel and making it jump from CD to radio to it still had a cassette tape in it. Totally like messing things up. And I was getting frustrated because it was constantly bouncing all the time. And then she wasn't sitting in that spot anymore. And it was still bouncing. So I told my husband, I'm like, okay, it's not my daughter. It's I'm. It's got to be the cassette tape. I don't know whether it was like, or not the cassette tape, the radio itself. I'm not sure if it's the wiring that goes to it or the actual radio. So because we have vehicles that use the same ones, he swapped them out for me. 
And the other one was working fine, but now he had a radio that would randomly turn itself on and change to different who's a what's it. <laughs> so he replaced it for me. He took his back and he bought me a new one. It's not the fanciest radio in the world. It's a dual and get this naming XVM296BT. That's just rolls right fancy. off the tongue. It yeah. <laughs> just rolls right off the tongue. So it's like I said, it's it's not the fanciest radio out there, but it does have Bluetooth connectivity, USB, SD card, so you can put all kinds of different media directly into it or connect it to your phone. One of the things that I love about this new radio, especially where I've added extra metal to my ears, right, and it's hard to get earbuds in and I can't drive with my headset on. That's kind of not very safe. So this way, I can take calls and be fully legal to answer the phone because it answers through my radio. Don't have nice. to do anything. Yes, that part's nice. The music and audiobooks that we play through there plays really nice. It doesn't have all of the features that you could get some with some of the others where it's sharing information and you can see your song on the... Um, touch screen itself it, it's pretty plain right none of that information gets pulled across but it's enough that it's not jumping around anymore I am that's good legal to drive with it and I still get all of my digital music that I pack with me everywhere the name brand is dual or is it a different yep. brand the name brand is dual. dual and I knew it was bluetooth with the bt on the end that gave it away yes I was gonna guess it was bluetooth when you see that generally in a model name, you're like, yep, Bluetooth. That's what they're trying to emphasize there. But the XVM296 part, I'll let somebody else figure that one out. That That is a tongue tie. But it does have a 6.2 inch touchscreen. So it's big enough that if you need to pause the song or the book or whatever, those buttons are big. They're easy to do without having nice. to look away. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's been great to not have a jumping Stereo system. Always helps. <laughs> Always helps. So, so Ryan, what have you been up to? So you remember I was telling you, Michael, I don't think I announced it on the podcast, but I was going to get my hands on an HP Spectre X360. Oh, yeah. So I have stayed away from HP laptops for a while because they have this... I've had issues with them. Let's just put it that way. Now, I know some people will say I have HP's. They're fantastic. Some of the best laptops I've ever had. And I've had some great HPs over the years, but I've also had some dogs. So I've stayed away from HP, pretty much Dell, Lenovo, System76 kind of person. But the Spectre X360 has been on the list of some of the best laptops out there on many tech sites. Right, The HP Spectre is just one of the best. It's got the aluminum frame. It's got some high-quality speakers, supposedly, in it, good keyboard, backlit, small bezel, 4K screen, all of these great things that I'm looking for in really a non-Apple <laughs> laptop, right? Yeah, it sounds like you're leading to somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so I get this thing. I bought it used, so keep that in mind. And this was the seventh-generation version, so it had an i7 in it. So probably came out in the 2017 era, somewhere around there. And the speakers were subpar. The screen was nice and bright. It was 4K. 
but the space bar wouldn't work. Like, well, it worked, but just randomly when it wanted to. Sometimes it worked all the time, and other times it mm. just randomly wouldn't work. And then the chipping all over the paint job. It has this beautiful black and gold paint job, but it doesn't last. So it chips off, and this particular one I bought and got a good price on it because it was ugly, because it had a lot of that <laughs> paint flaking off of it. But the biggest problem is when I looked up that keyboard issue, because I thought, you know, I could just go in and replace the keyboard. Maybe something stuck under the keyboard. I did some of the spray air on it. But I found out that HP had a whole line of these that went out with this known issue. And the only fix is to replace the entire keyboard. And really, I didn't get it for that great of a price that I was willing to suffer and go through that. So I sent it back. So Similar to ASRock, I went back to try HP after all these years. Now, in this case, I did go with an older one, but that same quality control issue I'm complaining about with a lot of these companies that made me leave them to begin with is the same problem here because this keyboard issue wasn't something that just happened to a few people. It was a whole run of HP laptops that had this and a lot of people talking about not getting the support from HP to actually replace it back then when it was a known issue. So that was really frustrating or they got it replaced, but it, you know, there were problems once they got it back again and it's just kind of a mess. So HP Spectre X360 looks awesome, has a beautiful screen, love the whole frame and general idea of it, but at least for the seventh gen, poorly pulled off. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, buying a Spectre 360 at this point. But uh, I, I am kind of curious, like, do you think that the it's because it's an old gen? Do you think that they like that it would be worth trying a new one? Or is it because, you know, the fact that they've had so many years of subpar situations that it's not even worth another try again? Or at least maybe in, like on the next generation in the future? You know, replacing a keyboard isn't all that difficult. It's more of a frustration for me that my first time back with an HP and it's a quality control issue, essentially sending out poor quality parts yeah. uh, with the keyboard that caused the space bar to randomly not work. And so for me, probably they fixed it in later generations. Again, there's probably reason a lot of these sites recommended as one of the best laptops out there. One of the top laptops for price and what you get out of it. And HP has always offered that that's kind of been their go-to is you can get a really high spec machine for a really good price, low price. But that low price comes with some problems. Generally, mm -hmm. they're cheapening out something. And that's just kind of how I view HP personally right now. And I hope they change because I love their printers. Yeah. I love their printers. Like, they do make great printers. It's hard to fall in love with a printer, but the printers just work on any operating <laughs> system you're using. And Everybody hates decent. printers, except for somehow <laughs> HP's printers are actually good. Yeah. And you I like HP's them. printers. So they, yeah. it's not like they make all bad products, but their, their laptops have always just been... I, I repair a lot of HP laptops for people, let's put it that way, because they just seem to be the ones where a hard drive's going to go out, the GPU's mm -hmm. going to go out. But I will give HP this you can repair their stuff unlike an Apple. Yeah, the least, at least there's that. Like, I, so I, I actually you? had the same similar problem with HP's laptops in the past, and then I went to just doing desktop stuff and, you know, haven't looked back. Did you get that directly from HP used? 
No, I got this off eBay. It was a ridiculously good deal. I thought just because the paint was flaking off and it was ugly, but that's kind of another point. Like if you're not going to do a if you're going to do a black and gold paint job, you need to do it in a way that the paint's going to stay and not just flake off the device. And so that's one of the reasons you can get them really cheap is a lot of them are ugly. But I'm okay with ugly. I don't care about an ugly duckling. I just want good <laughs> parts inside. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the App Platform do all the heavy lifting for you. It has support for a lot of different languages and services like Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. And their own infrastructure is also using the DigitalOcean Kubernetes, so you can get the smoother migration path, so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener of Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free, well, actually better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. So now let's get into our core story. We're going to cover the GPUs first, then we're going to cover the CPUs, which are actually, by the time you hear this episode, will have dropped and available, and they'll probably be sold out like every other electronic I want lately just gets sold out the second it gets released. Let's hope they have lots of inventory here. But Lisa Sue took the stage October 28th to unveil the Radeon RX 6000 series. Now, you remember I was talking about this on earlier episodes, and Lisa Sue made the claim that they were going to disrupt the GPU market like they disrupted the CPU market. Now, before I get into all the details of these cards... Wendy and Michael, both of you have gone through the notes. You've seen this presentation or at least heard of it. Did you think that Lisa Sue accomplished that with the Radeon RX 6000 series? I don't know much about the industry and, and overall and the scope of like what all the different nuances and stuff meant. But based on the power that they offer and the prices that they were offering, it does seem to be the case. I, I have to agree that, you know, they're doing great when it comes to they're sharing their excitement about their GPUs and how much power they potentially have. I'm going to be a little bit skeptical with AMD, just like I was with NVIDIA and say, allegedly, we'll see what it looks like when reviewers get their hands on them and, and that kind of thing, but things are looking great. My, my absolute best part about this whole presentation is unlike NVIDIA, who dragged out the presentation forever. <laughs> AMD got down to the point. They showed you, this is what we've got for you. This is what it does. Enjoy. Right? Pretty much. Well. Like, even when they gave, they gave a little bit of filler, but even when they gave you the filler, it was actually kind of like fun filler. It wasn't nothing. It yeah. was like terrible. And like you, you, there were some people doing like reaction videos that were like, okay, get to the, and then as soon as they finished the sentence, they'd already gotten to it. And it's just kind of funny that they were like, yeah. that's, that's how little filler there was in it. So the RDNA2 architecture claimed 50% better performance per watt. The big Navi chip is at the heart and has 26.8 billion with a B 
transistors inside, all running on seven nanometers. You have the Infinity Cache based on the Z3 architecture, 2.17 times bandwidth improvement to help with 4K bandwidth needs, 30% frequency improvement, and this partnership with Microsoft DirectX 12 with the DirectX ray tracing, mesh samplers, direct storage, API to enhance gaming and reduce load times. Also big things that they covered during this presentation here. Now, I wasn't excited about hearing the partnership with Microsoft DirectX 12 only because I think everyone, including Apple, Microsoft, should all be going Vulcan and not focusing on the proprietary DirectX 12. Mm -hmm. But look, Microsoft, their game consoles, the AMD has a partnership with their dominance in buying all of basically the good game studios out there. They're obviously trying to sweep up and hold on to that competition as tightly as they can. Microsoft's very good at building these relationships, and they've done that here with AMD, obviously. So we got the 6800 XT. This drops on November 18th for $649. You get 72 compute units, 2015 megahertz game clock, 2250 boost clock, 128 megabytes of infinity cache, 16 gigabytes of the GDDR6. But you do not get that high bandwidth memory I was hoping for. The total power for this board, 300 watts compared to the 320 watts of the 3080. And you may go, that's not a huge difference there. But it is for me when I'm running the mini Titan here. Because there's only so much power, at least my little power supply can pump out the little muffin power (laughs) supply I have. And that 300 watts, I can run that 6800 XT no problem, but that 3080 would be pushing it. So I'm pretty happy about that. Of course, being on that seven nanometers helps. You got 4K, 60 frames per second across games all the way up to running them at 4K, 138 frames per second, depending on the game. All of this in ultra mode. So they're not playing in high settings or medium settings, but 4K ultra mode against the RTX 3080 in 4K. Out of the 10 AAA games shown, the 6800 XT beat the 3080 in four of the games. Now, these are the games that AMD chose to do the testing with. So you got to keep that in mind. And it tied in three of those. And and the 3080 edged out AMD 6800 XT in three of those. So to me, when you're looking at the benchmarks, though, even though some of the bars look pretty big, you know, big gain, usually we're talking like 10 five frames per second, 15 frames per second, nothing huge here. So to me, I kind of looked at it and said, they've released a a card that's absolutely on par with the 3080 here, and they're doing it for $50 less, essentially. That's what it seems like. like, Even the stuff that they're beating it is only a little bit. And and in my opinion, like the uh, five frames per second is not enough to notice. So, you know, meh. But the fact that they're going in for like the cheaper, like the same quality in terms of performance, but so much like they're they're focusing on also trying to hit a budget option as well, rather than just trying to, you know, max out as much as they possibly can. Yeah. And of course, you've got the performance per watt. So you've got the less wattage, you got $50 less in cost. So it's a pretty darn good deal if they're able to hit all of these numbers. They say they're hitting and I believe they're hitting them because... They actually had a few games in there that, again, the 3080 edged out. Generally, if you're trying to like make a show, you know, you secretly under the table have the thing 
cooled with uh, ice or something. Yeah, Intel and then did that once. <laughs> dry ice. Yeah, and then, and then you try to show, look, it beat it out 10 out of 10 games, but they didn't do that here, which was pretty cool. They also announced the RX 6800 at 579, and that comes out November 18th. 60 compute units, 1815 megahertz game clock, 2105 boost, 250 watt total board power. So again, you got 50 watts less. So if you need that because of the power supply you're running, it's great. 128 megabytes of infinity cache, 16 gigabytes of GDDR6. It's rolled off the tongue. More performance than the 2080 Ti. You remember when that was the mecca? If you had a 2080 Ti, you could walk into any game store with proud chest <laughs> pumped out, looking at everybody like they're plebs, but not anymore. Now you need at least an RX 6800 to do times that. of the t- 2080 Ti. <laughs> yes, it belongs in a museum at this point. You can pump out 60 frames per second up to 134 with smart access. So you need the CPU, GPU, AMD combo here, which we'll get into later to deliver some of the performance that they had there. But 18% more performance than 2080 Ti in 2K, which is what I care about, because I think the best gaming's done in 2K. And the RTX 3070, though, in this case, is actually cheaper than the RX 6800. So it's cheaper by about 79, 80 bucks. So in this case, I actually think that the 3070 is a better deal. Interesting. Um, I still gonna, I still go. I still think they're going to sell the most of these because they're on the lower budget end, and they also get the the AMD aspects stuff. And I'm curious about like you know, is there any kind of connection with having a CPU from AMD and a GPU from AMD? Even if you had like the lower end, would that matter? Yeah, I think because of what they're doing with their kind of rage mode and smart access and stuff, if you already have an AMD CPU, then maybe it would be better to go ahead and pick up the 6800. Also, again, like we talked about, if you have a power supply where power is an issue, then the 250 watts is going to be much better. But if you're just looking for performance for price, that 499 is a lot cheaper than that 579. But then again, none of these are in stock. So <laughs> we'll see if the if the 68, whoever, I think I saw somebody say, whoever actually has stock of their card is going to win. <laughs> uh, and that, that may yeah. very well be the case. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, NVIDIA has got to get stuff in gear and all of that back into stock at some time, you'd think. But yeah, it's been crazy with the stocking issues from them. And I'm really curious as to when these cards drop, especially what they're both coming out on the 18th of November, right? Yeah, they're both coming out on the 18th of November. How many actual people are going to get them and how many are going to be those horrible bots? Does AMD have that part worked out so real people actually get their hands on them? Well, I remember Microsoft saying, hey, we're not going to have those problems PlayStation had. And then they had the same problems practically PlayStation mm-hmm. had with their new console. So AMD may say they have stock, but we'll just have to see on November 18th whether they pull that off or not. But I, I agree. Whoever has the stock here is going to win this war because congratulations to AMD, number one, for rolling out cards that are absolutely comparable to what NVIDIA has. If you remember with the 5700 XT, even the Radeon 7, they were good cards. They became better cards later once the software improved but they still really weren't up to the same as the top tier NVIDIA cards. What they're claiming here 
is that, and what they're showing in these specs and what we're seeing in these benchmarks is that they are in fact on par, some cases even edging them out, which is quite an amazing accomplishment for AMD. Well, and that will be great as long as the software to run the cards is there on the day that they drop. Because if they mess that up again, it's really going to cause some serious hurt overall to AMD. If you show these great numbers and awesome performance, but then are not putting out the drivers to run the cards like they messed up with on the Radeon 7, it's going to be a bust overall. You can only do that to people so many times, get the hype up before people start ignoring you because your cards aren't running where they're supposed to be on launch day. And do you remember all of the presentation you were you were making fun of it, Wendy? But in, in that long presentation NVIDIA had, there was a lot of software that yeah. they were talking about, a lot of enhancements with the AI in their software and all of those elements. There's some cool things we'll cover in the software for AMD, but nothing like NVIDIA had. So I can't help but wonder, did NVIDIA kind of know that this was probably coming with AMD's work in the seven nanometer nanometer world and that they were going to catch up. So they're focusing and honing down on that software where NVIDIA kind of just does much better historically than AMD. Maybe. It's definitely a good move for NVIDIA. If you're going to be running the card and then have all of this quote unquote, extra software that goes with it where you get more use or better performance out of your card and some of the things you're using it for, really focusing on game streamers and that kind of thing. It's an added overall bonus to those cards if you're running most likely Windows, which can take advantage of it. Right. What's interesting is Lisa Sue took the stage like she always does at the end, made me so happy. And comes out and says one more thing. And then she shows off, not out of an oven, mind you, but just <laughs> brings it out. The AMD Radeon 6900 XT. I'm disappointed it wasn't in an oven, this, okay? <laughs> I know. They could have really made fun of NVIDIA there, right? Like had a microwave, yeah. pulled it out of a microwave or, like or a something. Like a toaster oven. <laughs> yes, there you go. toaster oven. So for $999, which before you go, oh my gosh, keep in mind that what it's competing against costs $1,499. So this is $500 less than the top tier NVIDIA here. Drops on December 8th. It's the same size as the 6800 XT. So you don't have this monstrosity of a card that requires an oven to carry it around. (laughs) It might ship in an oven, in fact, for all we know. It was so big. But you get 80 compute units. 2015 megahertz game clock, 2250 megahertz boost, 128 megabytes of infinity cache, 16 gigabytes of GDR6 at 300 watts. Still at 300 watts. 65% more performance per watt. Against the 3090, 5 out of 10 wins in the benchmarks they presented. Keep that in mind. Uh, Very competitive with the 3090, but that was still with Rage Mode and Smart Access enabled in there. But again, a $500 savings for this top tier game. $999, definitely an enthusiast level card here. But it was pretty awesome that they had something to actually compete with the top card NVIDIA has. Well, there's the price difference, but NVIDIA also has more RAM in their card. So it'll be interesting to see how that RAM difference actually breaks down in performance difference between the two cards. 
So in the software, we got the rage mode. So that's basically one click overclocking. Are any of you old enough to remember the turbo yes. button on your computer? Yes, case? the turbo button. Uh, that, yeah. Like back in the day that 99% of people had no idea what it did. We click it anyway. Yeah, well, I clicked it and the little <laughs> digital thing on the front of my computer case would go from 33 megahertz to 66. And I was ready to tear through Wing Commander like nobody's <laughs> business. Right. And also Oregon Trail. <laughs> there you go, Oregon Trail. There you go. You have DX12 ultimate support with ray tracing and variable shading and denoiser for ray tracing. So all those people were like, but ray tracing that only 35 games actually support or whatever it is out there right now. They have it. They support it. You have AMD FX games that has 35 titles that they support there. Big focus on the latency, reducing that lag. So less latency with the Radeon anti-lag, as long as you have a free sync monitor up to an eight millisecond reduction. Has Radeon boost with dynamic resolution in response to the mouse and controller inputs. And here was a shot fired at NVIDIA. They said no proprietary API to provide those benefits. Yeah. So you don't have to have that super secret software NVIDIA uses that nobody else can unlock or really utilize outside of Windows. You've got no proprietary API to provide those benefits. Together, a 37% reduction in latency, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, like latency is a big thing for competitive gaming, so that's great that they're working on that. And I also love the fact that they even pointed out that they know they don't have proprietary APIs to do it. And it's kind of it, it's fun. It's fun because they're actually like they they've for many years AMD has been the non proprietary option. Like they're they're focusing on open source, but to actually put it in the presentation to like kind of shove it in the face of the competitor is like yes. Finally. <laughs> yeah, that part is absolutely awesome. And one of the reasons why I've loved AMD and where I started going AMD in the first place was because of their use and work with the open source drivers. So this gives me more hope that even though they're working with Windows to get that DirectX 12 going, we can still hopefully see some great input in the open source drivers. And talking about smart access, since we mentioned it a few times, the smart access is basically a way that the software allows the CPU to directly access the graphics card's full memory buffer, as opposed to just the 256 megabyte segments that have basically been the norm up until now. So it's just a new way of allowing the CPU and the GPU to work more efficiently together and that's why if you're going to pair this with the new CPUs that we're going to talk about next, you're going to have really a dream system in there. They ended the presentation showing Godfall, uh, which is a game a lot of people are very excited for because of the amazing graphics. Absolutely gorgeous. They showed this game using the variable rate shading and DirectX 12, Far Cry 6, Dirt 5, Rift Breaker, the new World of Warcraft expansion. I can't believe that game still has expansions coming out. Mm-hmm. And people are still playing it after all these years. Um, And, of course, I loved how Lisa Sue thanked the engineers in AMD. Took special moment out to thank them for all their incredible work. And that's just one of the many reasons I love Lisa Sue. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication such as master passwords, adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. 
Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host and they have security audits. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Or you can use their $10 premium account that has one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step authentication with the YubiKey, U2F, or a duo, health vault reports, time-based one-time password storage and generation, priority customer service. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN. Thank you, Bitwarden, for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, let's get into the CPUs now because we didn't cover this in a prior episode in full and it deserves full coverage here. The Zen 3 Ryzen 5000 series is here. By the time you're listening to it, it's literally here. Like get on the website and order it before you even finish. List. Well, listen, then order because you don't know which one you want to get yet, but we're going to tell you. If you didn't watch the presentation yet, Lisa Sue discussed improvements such as cache execution, branch prediction, load store for upping the efficiency of the prior CPU lineup, which was already quite dominant. AMD's previous Ryzen 3000 series chips were built on a base structure of four compute cores. The new Zen 3 chips are built with up to eight compute cores on a single die. This results in a lot of reduced latency between the, compo- between the cores compared to the older design. The new design, all eight cores on a die now share the same L3 cache. So to visualize this, because for some that's not going to mean anything, imagine a Zen 2. (laughs) Imagine the Zen 2 architecture has four cores on the top row, two on each side of the 16 megabytes of cache. The Zen 3 is four cores on each side, all sharing the total 32 megabytes of cache. There's just a lot less latency between the cache and the CPU cores because of this new layout. And this new layout is possible because a big reason is because of the seven nanometer architecture that they're using here. So you have everything from a $299 Ryzen 5 5600X up to the $799 Ryzen 9 5950X. And the good news is you can use the same motherboard compatible with the AM4 socket. So no motherboard upgrade needed. And that Woo-hoo! is huge. The X570 or whatever, that's the, like you can just keep the same board if you have it, if you have that type. The 550, the 570, all will have, depending, of course, if your manufacturer releases the BIOS update, but they should, will have the ability to run these new CPUs. And that is a huge expenditure. Think about the cost. If you have to go get a brand new CPU at say $799, and then you got to get a new motherboard at three, $400 or more. It's a huge savings not to have to upgrade that. And the rumor is the new Intel's are requiring a new socket and you're going to need a new motherboard. It just adds to that cost tremendously. And AMD has allowed you through these generations to still utilize that AM4 form factor, getting the most out of that motherboard possible. And that's because a lot, a big reason I think is that future proofing with that PCIe 4.0 and elements like that. Thinking ahead, 
so that the consumers aren't forced to go out there and buy new motherboards every time a new CPU comes out. That is another really nice thing about them. They're making great big changes in their CPU technology, but at the same time allowing you to make those changes without this great big expenditure, like you said, in a motherboard. So when I upgraded my system in the beginning of this year, I got the really nice motherboard that's got PCI Gen 4 on it. So if I could talk my husband into not only a GPU and CPU upgrade, I wouldn't need a motherboard upgrade. We're good. We're good. (laughs) There you go. You're saving him so much money, he practically has to buy it. effective right there. Yeah. Take my money. Right. It's not what you're spending. It's what he's saving. That's what you (laughs) need to claim. That's what I tell my wife anyways. So you're getting a claimed 19% boost to instructions per cycle clock or IPC, instructions per core, throughput and peak boost speeds of up to 4.9 gigahertz. This entirely dethrones Intel. So if you've not been aware of the wars going on, Intel still could kind of lay claim to, yeah, but we're faster in gaming because a lot of games rely on those instructions per core, that single core performance. But in this case, AMD's dominated that as well. So it was like AMD had all these trophies up on stage, but Intel could hold up that one big trophy like, yeah, but gaming, you know, we're still in a lot of ways, we're dominant here unless the game takes, you know, takes into account multi-cores. And then AMD's like, yeah, we want that trophy too and ripped it out of their hands. (laughs) So Intel's in big trouble here. Now, I'm really looking forward to what Intel does to react to this. They do have Rocket Lake coming out. It's not set to arrive to quarter one of 2021, but I'm just not sure even by then they're going to have anything to compete here because it's very possible that at any point that Intel starts getting some hype, Lisa Sue's going to come and drop the new Threadripper 5000 series out there and take that trophy again from their hands it's just amd is fighting on both sides of this war they're not only competing on the cpus against intel very awesome and dominant company for a long time but they're also going up against nvidia here in this episode just this episode and they are neck and neck with them they're a powerhouse to be reckoned with it's quite amazing what they have they've only and they did this in like six seven years or something like they went from being kind of the, you know, oh, that's adorable that AMD still exists to, wow, like AMD is taking over. Yeah. And so they have the Ryzen 9 5950X. That's what Papa wants here. <laughs> $799, 16 core, 32 thread, up to 4.9 gigahertz at 105 watts, 64 megabytes of cache there. Beautiful. You've got the Ryzen 9 5900X at 549. You got 12 cores, 24 threads, up to 4.8 gigahertz at 105 watts, 64 megabytes of cache. You got the Ryzen 7 5800X for 449, eight cores, 16 threads, 4.7 gigahertz boost, 105 watts, 32 megabytes of cache. And you got the Ryzen 5 5600X at 299, six cores, 12 threads, up to 4.6 gigahertz boost, 65 watts. So if you have a need for low wattage because your power supply or the type of build you're doing, that Ryzen 5 5600X looks super sweet. And the 5950X, Intel literally has nothing to compete against it. And even the 5900X, 
at 549 literally beats anything, at least on paper, until they come out and do the benchmarks, as Wendy will warn. You got to see it. But based on what's on paper, it literally beats anything Intel has out right now. It's it's insane. Yeah. Lisa, you're crazy. You're crazy, Lisa. <laughs> and thank you. Uh, the the 5600X is actually kind of interesting because it's like just a couple of years ago, those specs themselves would be just insane. And those are, that's like the, the lowest tier of their options. And like that, and it's a, such a small wattage for the, like a power of like 12 threads. And, and I, I just like probably five years ago, uh, I had like, I'm mean, actually, I updated only like a year and a half ago, but five years ago I had the actual is when it came out and it was, it only had, I think four threads. And then we're looking at these things. Now we have the 5950X that has 32 threads and it's just crazy. And that's not even a thread ripper. Yeah, they're they're basically competing against themselves. They have a 24% generation over generation. So last generation of this generation, power efficiency improvement in their own CPU lineup. And that's 2.8 times better than the Intel 10900K that's out there. They unified the L3 cache to that. 32 megabyte cluster per eight core chiplet. You got the AM4, of course, compatibility with the AM4 socket. It's a 20% improvement from the Ryzen 9 3950X, 20% performance gains, that is, in the tested games that they have. The 5950X also scored 640 points in the single threaded Cinebench R20 benchmarks, which is much higher than the Core i9's 544 points. It's just from every single point here, they have increased this. This is not just kind of a small iteration upgrade that we're seeing from a lot of companies. This is a 19% increase in the IPC. That's the largest single generation increase in the Ryzen family. So if you're going to do any Ryzen jumps, this is the one to go through. It's, it's an incredible achievement, and this is them taking advantage again of that 7 nanometer architecture and now they're able to rearrange things so that everything's working in perfect harmony together. And so when you get the CPU, you combine it with that GPU and all of the harmony that they've built on that seven nanometer architecture, you have the perfect storm that has to have NVIDIA and Intel both sweating. But I'll tell you what, I love Intel. I love some of the things NVIDIA does sometimes. <laughs> but the thing, the real winner here out of everything is us, the consumer, because all of these prices are going to be, if, if these chips are as dominant as they say they are, all the prices of 2080 Ti's, of 5700 XT's, of all of these still very good cards are going to drop tremendously. And AMD, NVIDIA, Intel are all going to go to war over price and who can have the stock and we win. I mean, it sounds fantastic. And there's like, the the idea that you know AMD's is dominating in this space for the in, for the the thing and they're competing against themselves like you said like when you took it like just a few years ago you know six seven years ago Intel was competing against themselves and they would just kind of iterative update not a big deal and Nvidia is doing the same thing and the the competition that AMD has brought to the space has benefited everyone I mean the the computer the consumers have been benefiting. For so much, not just because the AMD makes great stuff now, but also they're that you know they've basically set a fire under Nvidia to actually compete, uh, you know, more so than just iterative updates. And hopefully, the in Intel is doing the same thing where they're 
you know, as you said, they're pretty much, they probably are sweating and is scared about the, what's happening. And I hope that that's true so that they, you know, attack back and make some more cool stuff for the consumers to use. And so if you were going to pick your favorite here, if you're going to build a new system, keeping price in mind, let's say you got a good budget, what are you going to upgrade to in the GPU side, let's say? Let's start there. On the, the GPU, I would not go at the maximum because uh, I just, I, I can't do that. Uh, you're not going the 999? No, I want to. I very much want to, but I would probably go with the 6800 XT. Yeah, the difference between those two is not that much. And I don't think, and I think that the the forward thinking that AMD has for the, the more powerful cache and that kind of stuff is worth the extra money in comparison to the, you know, the, the lower end NVIDIA cards. Nice. Wendy? I would have to go with the 6800 XT as well, especially because, you know, we're keeping price in mind. That one, it's got so much going for it that I would definitely have to go that route. If I had all the money in the world, we'd, we'd definitely be going with the 6900 XT. But it's kind of hard to justify that $1,000 price tag. It, I, I want to see numbers. So for me, I, I agree. I, my wife said, so which one am I supposed to get? Because she always ends up ordering them because she has these <laughs> amazing ninja skills with this. And I was like, she's like, are we really budgeting for the 990? And I'm like, nah, go for the 6800 XT. That's the one I want you to right. grab. So I'm going there as well. We're going to get the 6800 XT. As far as the CPU lineup, which one of those speaks to you the most, Michael? Well, uh, actually, I think that the same situation comes to... to to play here again, I would go with the 5900X because you have a, a monster amount of stuff with the 12 core, 24 threads, and the price difference. You're saving $250 in comparison. So I'd still probably go with that because it has almost the same value, but not. I mean, if, it, if I had the money to spend like all of it, I would just, you know, max it out. But, you know, if I'm going to be reasonable, like taking price into consideration, I think. The fifty dollars extra or a hundred dollars extra compared to the fifty eight hundred X, it just makes more sense to do that one. Nice, I agree. I'm Wendy, totally on board with Michael as well. It's like I learned something in being a on hardware addict. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you you learned a lot. That was a very good pick. I think for the price for performance that you're getting there is just fantastic, and you're still getting that sixty four megabytes of cache uh, once you go down that fifty hundred or fifty eight hundred X. You lose. 32 megabytes of cash there. So I think it is the best value. So go ahead and hit order. Everybody listening, grab yourself a Ryzen 9 5900X. Don't worry about the money. Your credit card pays for it. It's amazing. It's like <laughs> magic. And then you could pick yourself up one of these beautiful GPUs like the 6800 XT, which is also the one that I would be picking up. I probably won't right away jump for the new CPU. I'm pretty happy with the one that I have now, but I'll definitely be picking up one of those GPUs. And also, just to be clear, uh, Ryan is not a financial advisor. So, uh, you know, the credit card <laughs> co comment. Did our lawyers call uh, you no, again? No, just, just to be clear, he's not, he's not, he's just, he's a hardware addict, but not a, fin not a finance addict. So just to, <laughs> the lawyers haven't called yet. Exactly. He's just making sure that when they just do, making sure they don't they don't have to. <laughs> yeah, there's already yeah. a disclaimer out there. No, yeah, definitely don't go in debt for any of this. <laughs> uh, my lawyer just called me. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get to to camera corner next week, where Wendy's gonna cover Canon's amazing monster of 
a camera that they have coming out? Is it a camera or is it a lens? No, it's just a sensor. It's a sensor. It is a 250 megapixel monster sensor. And I know megapixels don't matter, Wendy. Megapixels aren't everything. (laughs) But oh my goodness, this this isn't going to be a consumer sensor, but I cannot wait to share it with you guys. Nice. Super cool. Well, that's it. Our 22nd episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, what's wrong with you? Because this AMD this AMD series has been awesome. We covered all the CPUs and GPUs. But if you still need more, we've got so much great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the amazing podcasts, YouTube partners out there. There's so much to fill your brains with and so much new stuff going on. It's insane. You got to tune in to Destination Linux. Find out all the things that are going on there. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed this show, and we'll see you next time for another Infinity Cash episode of Hardware Addicts where we'll jump into rage mode. Nice. Do that when I'm driving. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) I I believe it. (laughs) Yeah.